Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Welcome to You Beauty, the podcast for your face. I'm Shazzy Hunt and people strap yourselves in because we are in the midst of a bona fide expert superstar. Today I'm joined by the one, the only Mario Dedevanovic, a celebrity makeup artist who counts Kim Kardashian among his core clientele. He's also the founder and CEO of Makeup by Mario and ambassador of Sephora's next big thing. Mario, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me on the You Beauty podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. We are so excited to have you. And for those who are freaking out right now at home, yes, it is really Mario. He's looking at me right now. I'm so excited. But for those who may be a little less familiar... Mario came to notoriety while working with Kim Kardashian. You've previously appeared on her reality show. And some of your social media content involving her has gone gangbusters viral. How much of a game changer has all of this been for your career? Oh, my God. It's been incredible. I mean, you know, it just sort of happened. Like, it wasn't something that either her or I were sort of, like, looking to do or, like, a goal of ours. It just kind of happened organically. And for me, in terms of my career, it's been, you know, it's been everything. I credit her with so much. You know, she really kind of almost shared me with the world, you know, and and kind of took me along her journey and kind of exposed me to everyone out there. And so I'm just so forever grateful to her for that. Give us a bit of an insight to the collaborative process when you're doing beauty and makeup looks with Kim. Yeah, so, you know, we've been working together for almost uh, a little over 13 years now. So it's safe to say she has, you know, 100% trust in me. And so, weirdly enough, we don't even really discuss it too much. You know, I just, we just kind of start and, you know, she's on her phone, she's getting work done. She's got so many things going on. And I sort of just start working and I sort of just come up with it in the moment, usually. Now, sometimes when we're doing like a photo shoot or when we're doing something sort of specific, then we'll kind of have uh, an overall talk with the stylist, with photographer, hair, makeup you know, and kind of decide together, you know, what direction we're going to go in. But for me, you know, I know her face so well. And so for me, there's sort of like signature things that I always do, no matter what we're doing. And those things will kind of always carry on and no matter what we do. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how it happens. I wish I had a more fun answer, but it's kind of like she just kind of trusts me to do my thing and she doesn't really even question anything. And you've been involved in those viral posts we talked about, and they're all particularly in the space of contouring. When you created those very famous first pictures with Kim of the dramatic, unblended contouring lines, did you have any idea that it was about to take off? No, absolutely not. We had no idea. So like ever since the first day I started working with Kim, I mean, and this is pre-social media and pre-iPhones and all that. So she had a camera with her and she'd sort of just take her camera out of her bag and she'd start kind of taking selfies. You know, she really enjoys the process of getting glam. And especially in those days when I started doing her makeup, you know, she just really loved it and appreciated it and wanted to share it with, you know, at that time it was a blog she had. And so, no, we had no idea. I remember her just sort of being fascinated by what I was doing and capturing them and capturing it in photos. 
photos, you know, and then, you know, one thing led to the next. And there's been a lot of different photos over the years of those from the early years. Uh, I remember one of the first ones we did was, you know, this heavy sort of concealer, really light concealer under the eyes and then underneath the bottom of the lips and then the bridge of the nose. And then we did another one that was sort of with that sort of banana-ish powder, that yellow powder under the eyes. And I remember that blew up. And I remember that powder selling out worldwide and all that stuff. So we had no idea. You know, I wasn't even on social media really in those days, aside from a little bit of Facebook and MySpace. And so it kind of took on a life of its own, to be honest. And I wasn't even aware, you know, when YouTube was sort of having a whole moment and they were doing all these recreations of mine and her looks. I had no idea in those early years because I wasn't really on YouTube. So like, I really had no idea until way after the impact that it had in that whole space and that whole YouTube world. Well, on the impact, you know, as a direct result of these social posts, I'm not talking about just in the scheme of things, like direct result of these posts, contouring techniques suddenly seemed understandable to people who would never even dream of trying it before. Why do you think demonstrating it in such a dramatic and over-the-top way made it accessible? Well, I think for one, the way I look at it is you would see over the years, and this is dating back to, you know, old Hollywood days, right? You'd see the glamour of the celebrities and you'd see sort of this overall just beautiful look, but you never really got to see or you were never able to achieve it because those tricks of the trade, I'm saying in quotes, right? Because these were kind of secret, industry secrets, right? People didn't share this information so openly. Kevin O'Quan did actually, but this is pre-social media. So he did it in his books, right? But it only reached a certain amount of people, I'm assuming. And I think that when they started to see those images, people were like, what in the world is this? Like, why are they doing this? And what does this do? And it sort of just kind of opened up this whole sort of like, you know, opening up the curtain to behind the scenes to see like what really happens behind the scenes. This is how they look so sort of polished and perfect, right? And so I think people were just fascinated. And I think it just came in the perfect storm in terms of timing. It was right when social media was really picking up and Kim's career was really taking off on a global scale. And so it was just sort of like all the little ingredients kind of made for this perfect storm explosion of this global, you know, trend. I think people love trends. They love to know new things. And so when they saw that, it was fascinating and they wanted to try it. They wanted to see what what effect it has on them too. And so, you know, it's literally now just become kind of a part of people's everyday routines. It was the forefront of a contouring revolution, basically, that you started. (laughs) It was a a sort of almost tumultuous time for me because I remember being afraid of it. I remember having fights with my agent at the time because I would get all these requests from editors and brands and, you know, contour, contour, contour is all I heard every day. And then they started calling me the contour king and I would shy away from it because I was embarrassed. I thought, I don't want to be known for just this. It's going to ruin my career. And, you know, I really fought against it because I didn't want to be known for just contour. I was afraid that people wouldn't know anything else about me, you know, until I saw that all of the opportunities that were coming from it. And I started to kind of, you know, understand it a little bit more and accept it. Right. And when I began to accept it, I feel like that's when really everything started to change. You know, my life started to change essentially, you know, with the contouring thing, you know, the Kim thing, the social media, Instagram, all those things collectively really had a huge impact on my life. You needed to lean into that contour king banner. <laughs> I did. I, I eventually did. I eventually did. You know, it, it provided opportunities for me in those years, especially that were unheard of for a celebrity make artist. You know, the opportunities that I was getting from brands and you know with social media, it, it was quite amazing the different opportunities I got because of that. Now. Beauty and makeup looks evolve and change over time. So how have you seen contouring change from that time when everyone was suddenly on board and trying to replicate the lines and what you guys were doing? How has it changed from then to now? 
It's changed quite a bit. And it's also refreshing, I should say, to see the changes. I began to really see those changes simultaneously when I launched my SoftSculpt collection. Thank God, because I was a little bit nervous about that collection thinking, well, I don't know if they're going to get it. I don't know if this is like a past trend. And it turns out that it's not a past trend. People are still doing it, but we're seeing it nowadays in a much more fresh and modern take on what we saw in the previous years. And I think that's due to this new generation, this TikTok generation, who tend to be, I just think, more uninhibited, less staged, right? They're more free, right? It's not about having all the lights in front of you and retouched photos and, you know, this whole setup on YouTube. They're just having more fun. It's more playful. It's more effortless and not as intimidating, right? Because I have to say that whole era of that whole contouring thing, which was really done, you know, I think the part that people never understood or that no one really mentioned was that hey, by the way, this is not supposed to be for your everyday. You know, this is made for hot lights, for cameras and for stage. You know, it works on YouTube and Instagram, but this doesn't really translate as well, you know, under the daylight and the sunlight outside when you're going to work. And so I think that now we're seeing this much more fresh and modern approach, which is nice to see, you know, it's more natural, it's less intimidating. You know, it's not so much rules, right? Because the rules can apply generally, but really they need to be tailored depending on the face or the person or whether it's daytime, nighttime, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just happy to see this sort of lighter, fresher take on it all. I think it's so refreshing and it was much needed, I think. Obviously, when I let the UBD community know that you would be coming on today, they loaded me up with questions. So I'm going to try and plow through as many as we can. And many of them are in the space of contouring because you are the contour king, as you said. But to begin with, let's get down to brass tacks here. What is the ultimate goal of contouring and why is it important to keep that in mind as you do any kind of makeup look? Yeah. So for me, I think the goal of contouring and the purpose of contouring, I should say, is really just to add some dimension to the face. You know, you want to add a little bit of dimension and highlight to the face, right? So that you're not sort of like all kind of one color. I use contouring like 50% to kind of sculpt and give dimension, but also to simultaneously warm up the skin at the same time. I kind of do both at the same time with contouring, but ultimately really it depends on the person, right? Like some people are going to look great with every part of their face contoured, like forehead and, and jaw and, and cheeks, right? Some people can take that aesthetic or it flatters them, whereas others would look maybe quite ridiculous if they try doing all of that, right? Because it doesn't match them or it doesn't go well, or they don't carry it well, and it's not necessary. So for me, the purpose of contouring is really just to, number one, to add a little bit of dimension to the face, you know, and enhance those features like your cheekbones. And then the other purpose is to sort of simultaneously just add a little bit of warmth and cohesion to the overall look, right? So like you're not sort of all just one color. Let's jump back a step because we had our listeners, Cassandra, Simone and Sarah Jane, all write in on Facebook wanting your advice on the perfect pre-makeup skin prep. What does that look like in your mind? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not a dermatologist, but thankfully my clients, they take really great care of their skin, right? So when they sit on my chair, it's kind of easy for me because I know that they've done their part. You know, their skin is like so prepped and clean. But generally what I do is I just take a wipe and I, you know, make sure that I have a nice clean surface. I wipe off the skin and then I just go directly on with a moisturizer and I use a very sort of emollient moisturizer. For me, that's very important in makeup application because one, it's going to help you to sort of move and manipulate the foundation really nicely. But but it's also going to help you with the powders because I like to use powder, right? Powder helps so that your makeup stays in place all day. And so by having a very emollient moisturizer, 
moisture, it's going to sort of almost grip the powder, ensure that that powder is kind of sticking nicely on the face and becoming almost like part of the skin rather than sitting on top as a layer. It kind of meshes with the skin. It looks more sort of silky and beautiful. And so that's pretty much the prep that I do. I do a moisturizer, very emollient moisturizer, and then I just go ahead with the makeup. I try to keep it very simple. I don't like to layer too many skin products because they can affect the makeup that I'm doing. I think that would probably surprise people that it's less skin prep products than you might think because exactly for that reason that you don't want it to interfere with what's to come. Yeah, you know, sometimes a lot of products like serums and things like that, they start to, I don't know, we say here pilling, it's almost like it gives like this little pilling effect when you rub your face, it has these little sort of texture things that it adds. And so I don't like to put too much product like that every now and then, like if I'm doing a red carpet or something, and I have time, I'll definitely put like a very hydrating mask on my client, or at least on their under eyes, and let that sit for about 20 minutes while I'm doing the eye makeup. But for me, it's just all about moisture. I just love to slather their face in moisturizers that we have a nice, nice, youthful, healthy base to work on. On to contouring and obviously every person's face, every person's skin tone, it's all different. But is there a general formula in terms of contouring? Is there a step-by-step process? Yeah, I mean, I think the generals would be sort of, you know, the typical thing that we've heard over the years, which is sort of that three along the side of the face. However, that doesn't work on everyone for me. And I also think it's not necessary on everyone, right? Because sometimes if, let's say you have a smaller forehead, putting that darkness on the forehead is not going to be, you know, the best thing for you, I think. Also, you know, putting contour along the jawline and especially the nose. Now, the nose is where I feel like we need to sort of maybe cut it out a little bit. I think the nose should be left to the professionals. It's tricky, right? It can look muddy. You could be doing a disservice to yourself if you're not really skilled at it. So I also feel like for the younger generation, like I don't feel that a person at home, a a young girl, a boy at home, or anyone for that matter, should feel the pressure to sculpt their nose before they leave the house. I mean, that's pretty dramatic, right? So I think the general rules for me, what I think is universally flattering is a little bit of sculpting along the cheekbones, right? And what I like to do, what I also think is a universally flattering technique is sort of smiling slightly. And when you smile, sort of that whole area lifts up a bit. And so using that as a guide to kind of lift that contour upward and outward, which is universally flattering to me, rather than going along the very bottom of the hollows of the cheeks, right? Because that can sort of drag the face down. That could look great in the evening time or under hot lights. But for an everyday situation, I think it could be quite dramatic, you know, the harsh sculpting along the jawline. So I would almost approach it as in blush, right? Like a blush sort of technique where you're kind of putting it more upward and outward and then taking the leftovers and just hitting the rest of the areas of their face. But you don't want someone to look at you and be like, oh, your contour looks amazing, right? You just want to look amazing without people knowing really what it is. (laughs) Let's go to a question from Lauren on Facebook and she asks, how can I get the perfect contour that isn't too harsh and looks natural. So I guess that goes to that idea of not someone going, hey, I like your contour, someone just looking at your face thinking, hey, it looks nice, you look great. (laughs) That's a great question and I do have an answer for that and not to sound like I'm promoting my own brand here, like a shameless plug, but (laughs) my soft sculpt collection, the new contouring sticks, the soft sculpt shaping sticks, I developed and designed those specifically for this. It really is like a fresh take on contouring in that the formula 
is so light and breathable and just kind of melt into your skin. It's almost foolproof, right? And so you use it along your cheekbones and you flip the stick around and you just pat that into the skin and it just kind of melts, leaving a little bit of a definition and a little bit of warmth. And so I think that would be, I think, my recommendation, especially for people that are just starting out. I mean, a lot of like makeup artists love it and a lot of uh, different types of artists and stuff, but really the everyday girl at home has been loving this product, which I'm so proud of because I really developed it for them. And I just think it's such a great way to ease into contouring. You're like, you really can't make a mistake with it. I developed it kind of based on my technique because I like to build things in very little layers and then add more if needed. And so I think that's the best way, especially with things like contour. You want to start with so little and just add more if you need it. You do not want to go too dark and you don't want to go too orange or you don't want to go too gray because that's when you could start to look a little crazy. So the soft sculpt shaping stick. And then what I like to do as well, because again, I like to set things so that they don't slide too much. And so just finishing it off with a bronzer, right? Just popping a little bit of the bronzer kind of right over it, along the hairline, along the jawline, you know, just kind of seals it, makes it all cohesive and sort of gives a little bit of that sun-kissed warmth that we all love. Actually, they just told me that Australia is like the only place right now in the world that has it in stock because we just launched there. We can't keep it in stock here in the States. Like so many of the shades are out of stock for like a long time. So um, yeah, lucky you guys. (laughs) Lucky us. Probably not for long after everyone listens to this episode. Let's Let's jump over to color because I think this is the part that it gets really, really tricky. Contouring is tricky on all kinds of levels, but this is really, really tricky because you need to be looking at your own skin tone and choosing shades that work with that. How do we do this? Yeah, it's so simple. I mean, number one, again, it really boils down to preference. Like there's sort of like rules, makeup rules, quote unquote, right? But I don't think those rules always apply. I think that you you got to go by what looks great on you and what ultimately makes you feel great. I think the general rule is that when you want more of a sculpted look, you want to make sure that you have a little bit more of a neutral to cool undertone. So it has to have a little bit of that grayish undertone in it but not gray like you would use, you know, when you're going on stage or on television, right? I think it also depends on how dramatic you want to go or whether it's daytime or nighttime. So maybe start with like a shade or two deeper than your skin and kind of start off there. Also, the product that you're using in the formula, if you're using a cream product like my sculpting sticks, keep in mind that you can build this product on. So you put two layers on, it's going to deepen itself, right? So you don't need to go too dark. You can just put another extra layer of product on and that's going to do the job for you without going too off into another realm of shades. But generally for sculpting, you want to make sure you're not going too orange or too red if you're deeper skin tone. And then if you do like a little bit more of a warm look, right? Because a lot of times I'll do some contouring with bronzer as well, not using a traditional sculpting product. And that's when I want a more sun-kissed, like warm effect. And then I'll go with like more of a warmer product. You know what I mean? Just like a typical standard bronzer or foundation actually in a deeper tone or concealer in a deeper tone. You can do it with so many different variations. You can do it with creams, liquids, powders, so on and so forth. So I think the shade part is definitely super important. And where you apply your makeup actually too, I should say is very important right? If you're applying your makeup in overhead lighting, that's the worst thing you can do, right? Because it's not going to look good and flattering on you. As soon as you step out into the real world, it's going to look quite different. And so try to do your makeup really in natural daylight or a light that mimics natural daylight. There's nothing worse than when you walk outside and go, whoa, that wasn't how it looked at home. No, it's so true though. It's so true. You know, in your bathroom sometimes or when the light is dim, it's very forgiving, right? But when you walk outside, it's a little bit different. I think another great tip actually though is I do this with my clients. If I'm feeling unsure about how something will look, I just take my phone and I put the flash on and I take a photo. Oh boy, that flash will show you what's wrong. That flash will not lie. (laughs) Yes, the flash doesn't lie. The iPhone doesn't lie. 
Let's check out another Facebook question. This one is from Sarah who asked, Kim is known for her beautiful glowy contoured skin, which looks amazing on her complexion, but do you have any tips for us ghostly white gals so it doesn't look muddy in real life? Yeah, well, if you're very fair skinned and you use product that's too deep, it is going to look muddy. So I think the key for that is like not going too gray, right? And then also sort of like the texture. So why muddiness happens sometimes is if your brush is not evenly coated with product. And so when you apply it to your skin, it's not applying and it's not grabbing onto the skin in equal like amounts of product. And so that's number one. Number two is if you are layering a powder, like let's say a powder contour over a foundation or anything that's cream underneath, remember that anything wet is going to grab anything dry. And so when that wet product or creamy product grabs that drier product, it's going to grab it. And the most wet area of that is going to become super dark versus the areas around it that will remain lighter. And so then that's when you start to get blotchy. So a great way to prevent this is number one, careful of the product that you use and the amount that you use. So starting in softer, lighter layers. And then also just to be safe, right? Let's say you put a cream contour on and then you want to put a bronzer on or something. Take a tiny, tiniest bit of translucent powder, completely colorless, and just brush it over that cream product before you put the powder product on. That way it just goes on a lot softer and more even, if that makes sense. Perfect. And I did want to ask you, you know, when things do go wrong with contouring, is it fixable or do you kind of get into the realm of having to wash off and start again? You know, that's not an ideal situation, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I think that it does take a little bit of practice, especially for things like the nose. I mean, I can't stress enough. Like, I remember when I started and I was doing one of my first photo shoots. This was over 20 years ago. And I was so excited because I had this Kevin O'Conn book and I wanted to sort of recreate this makeup that he did. And of course, it was super sculpted. And so I had this model in my chair and I decided to do nose contour for the first time. Wow, what a mistake. I remember the photographer walked in and he came in front of the model and he said, what is that S-H-I-T on her nose? And I... And my heart stopped because I was like, oh my God. I was like, I didn't even, you know, I didn't realize it was that bad. He goes, that's terrible. Wipe that off. And so, you know, that just goes to show I was a working makeup artist at that time, but I had not perfected it yet, you know? And so it it takes a lot of time and practice and skill to do that. So, you know, maybe hold off on that and do some, you know, practice a little bit first. That's why I always say that, you know, the general rule is like, try a little sculpting on the cheeks. It's the easiest thing and the most universally flattering. Take the leftovers and hit the forehead a little bit and then hit the jawline and down to the neck and then kind of leave it at that. You know what I mean? I think that will just be universally flattering and you'll still look like yourself and supernatural, you know? Now, if you were hiring me to go on television or to go present on stage in front of massive lights, that's a different story. I'll probably give you the full treatment, you know? But if you're not doing that, then just kind of make it more natural, you know? I think we all feel better that even Mario has had to wipe off a contouring (laughs) effort that makes everyone Uh, feel better about their own efforts. (laughs) Oh, I sure have. I sure have. (laughs) Actually, as far as touch-ups go with contouring, is it the kind of thing that you should do once, set, go on your merry way, or should you be touching it up throughout the day? The contour? I mean... I don't know. I think for touching up throughout the day, again, it would depend really like on how well your makeup lasts throughout the day. Some people are very oily and really doesn't last well. So they need to kind of blot throughout the day. I mean, you can, you can certainly touch up your contour. I think it's an optional thing or, you know, just depends on sort of your aesthetic, number one, and number two, you know, how well makeup lasts on you. Should you be touching up your contour throughout the evening and the daytime? I mean, I'd probably say not, you know, doing it at home, I think would be good. And then Hopefully it'll kind of stay. If you layer those products like very in light layers and sort of set it with a powder in the end, you should be good. You shouldn't have to retouch or apply all day. 
And let's go to another listener question similar to that topic. This one's from Alex and she asks, how do I get my makeup to last? So like I said, powder is the key. And then again, I mentioned this earlier, the key to your powder not looking too powdery is having that very emollient base of moisturizer. So that powder will grab onto that moisturizer and it looks very flawless. So that's one thing. Another thing that you can do is setting sprays, right? They have setting sprays that are sort of mattifying sprays, setting sprays that sort of just help everything to last longer. So that's another option. But overall, I think the most easy thing is not using too much product, but then using translucent powder just to set anything that has cream on it. And then at the end, I do love a little spray in the end, you know, whether it's like a setting spray or a mattifying spray, either or, I think it kind of helps in the end to sort of seal it all. What you don't want to do, though, is you don't want to keep building powder and product on throughout the day because it's going to get quite messy and it'll start to build up and it'll start to kind of almost enhance a texture maybe that you don't want to enhance. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's really nice to sort of just have a tissue or blotting tissues throughout the day rather than building powder on top. You want to just absorb the oils and things like that that you don't want on the face. That's kind of what I was wondering with, you know, doing contouring touch-ups. I'm like, does it kind of all start to get a bit muddled after a while? So, Oh, yeah. Anything that has pigment in it is going to likely get muddy, right? So you want to not build those things all day or like put so much on all day because those things will, you know, if it has a pigment and then your oils are sort of working at the same time, it, it is going to get a little blotchy and muddy. So I would suggest to not, you know, not do that. And then one final listener question for today. This one is from Pamela asking, where does the makeup stop? Do you touch up every bit of skin showing on the arms, the chest, the legs? Yeah. I mean, it depends on who I'm working on or what we're doing, right? But if I'm doing a red carpet, you know, that is going to be viewed by billions of people. Absolutely. I'm going to be, you know, touching up the fingers and around the nails and the shoulders behind the ears. I mean, behind the ears I do anyway, but you know, I'm a makeup artist. So I'm, these women hire me to make sure they look good. And so I got to do my job and I got to cover my bases because I don't want no one on social media, you know, zooming in and being like, oh my God, look at her skin, you know? So yes, I do, but that's my job, right? But I don't think that that should carry on to the everyday girl at home. Like you do not need to be doing makeup inside of your ears or behind. You do not need to be doing your fingers and hands because you're going to be, it's going to be a mess. So uh, I think that something should be left for the professionals. And then, you know, other things for every day. Every episode of You Beauty ends with our expert confirming or denying a myth, a super easy one for you. A contoured face can only be achieved with bronzer. No, that's a myth. I mean, it can, but no. For many years, I did only use a bronzer to contour, you know. Uh, back in the day, I definitely would just use like a bronzer, a sort of neutral tone bronzer to contour. As time evolved and different sort of products became available and, and all that, I, I started to experiment with different formulas and different techniques and stuff. So it just depends on the time of day. But yeah, you could use a contour powder. You can use my soft sculpt shaping stick. You can use a foundation or concealer. You could use anything you want. I'm a makeup artist, so I use pigments. So, you know, I work with sort of these large palettes that are just full of different color pigments and I mix them and I just kind of throw them on the face. So yeah, you can. Mario, thank you. Thank you. Thank you times a million for coming on the show. It has been such a thrill to get a contouring masterclass from the guru himself. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for listening today. My producer is Gia Moylan. I'm Shazzy Hunt, and I will be back again next week with another beauty expert to talk all things beauty. Until then, I'll see you next time.